What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And King Solomon, the wise, he told us what to do in that same prayer of dedication of the temple in 1 Kings 8, 35-36, when he said, when heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against thee, if the, is he said, if they pray toward this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou afflictest them, then hear thou in heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants of thy people Israel, that thou teach them the good way wherein they should walk and give rain upon thy land, which thou hast given to thy people for an inheritance. That's the time to pray. That's the time to pray to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the time to confess openly of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the time to turn away from sin, because God said, again, that's what you need to do. In 2 Chronicles 7, 13 through 14, it says, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear their land. That's the time to humble self before the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the time to pray. That's the time to get on the knees before the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the time to earnestly seek the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the time to say sin isn't worth it. I turn away from it. Now, continuing here, we read in verse one about a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah. That's what it says. This was a man of Bethlehem, Judah. The word Bethlehem means the house of bread. There were two Bethlehems in the land of Israel. One was this in the land of Judah, and the other was more, much farther north in the land of Galilee. This is the Bethlehem. What we're talking about is south in the land of Judah. Bethlehem was a town that David came from. 
Bethlehem is the one referred to in Micah 5, 2, where it says, but thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old and from everlasting. This is the place where the Lord Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, came, was born in the flesh, born in this place called the house of bread, in this town called the house of bread. And in Micah 5, 2, it's called Bethlehem Ephrata, and that's how it's referred to here in Ruth 1, 2. It talks about Ephratites of Bethlehem. Ephrata, Ephratites. Ephrata means fruitful. So it was called the house of bread in the land of fruitfulness. And when you consider the meaning of that place, what Ruth 1.1 is really referring to, it's a, it's a sad account. In Ruth 1.1, kind of, you can paraphrase it like this. There was a famine in the land, and a certain man from the house of bread went to sojourn in the country of Moab. In the house of bread from the land of fruitfulness, he went to sojourn in the country of Moab. We can just feel the sadness, feel the desolation of it all. This family looks on the fields that used to be so ephrata, this used to be so fruitful. And they look at their town that used to be the, the house of bread and so prosperous. And now all they just see is dry dust bowls because of sin. And they feel that if they stay there, they're gonna become like the land, dried up and die. So they move on. And they leave the land that used to be fertile. It used to be productive. It used to be fruitful, Ephrata. And the house of bread has now become a house of death. And they feel they're forced to move on. And we can just imagine how hard it was for them. Working in that land, they were just working, and everything seemed so futile, and nothing was happening. And it was, they just put in more work and sweat and labor, and nothing was coming, just as it describes in Leviticus 26.20. And your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. And they just feel that. And they feel like God is, is like against them and God has forsaken them and they feel like God has done what he did in Psalm 107, 34, where it says God changes a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. Now, they left. Not everyone left the land. We don't know why they decided to leave. And we're told, though, he left, this family left, Eli Melech, and he wept and went to the country of Judah. He was a Jew. This man, Eli Melech, was a Jew. And he left his own Jewish people. And he came into Moab. Moab was on the eastern side of the Dead Sea. The, Moab, the Moabites were the enemies of the Jewish people. He forsook, Eli Melech forsook his Jewish homeland. He forsook his Jewish people. He went to go live with the enemies of the Jewish people. Moab was a land of idolatry. It was a shame for him. It was, he was a shame for him as a Jew to come into the land of Moab. We can just imagine how the Moabites looked at him and they either said it or they thought it for sure. What are you doing in our land? You, you a Jew, your God is not one of our gods. Isn't your God great? Isn't he able to feed you? 
You gotta come to the land of our gods for food? That's a tough thing. God has certain things to say about the Moabites. Can you please turn to Jeremiah 48, 11? Because here's God's comment about Moab. He says in Jeremiah 48, 11, Moab hath been at ease from his youth. He hath settled on his lees. He hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Neither hath he gone into captivity. Therefore his taste remained in him, and his scent is not changed. See, Moab is described by God as having been at ease from his youth. The Hebrew word for the word at ease is the word sha'an, and it has a meaning of a peacefulness that comes from being in a place of safety or refuge. It has the meaning of just feeling secure and nothing can threaten me because I'm in a safe place. It has the meaning of, of just feeling protected and that there's no reason to sweat it, there's no reason to worry, there's no reason for God. And Moab's condition of feeling no need for God is said to have afflicted him from his youth. Moab has always felt this way from his youth. Moab was a country that had no problems with other countries. They were not being threatened by their enemies. Moab felt protected, Moab felt safe, Moab felt secure, Moab was just, you might say, on easy street. Everything was going Moab's way. Moab had no troubles in life from his youth, and Moab is described as he had settled on his lees. The lees described the sediment in the wine. During the winemaking process, the grapes, when they're crushed, they leave a sediment at the bottom of the vessels, and it's called the lees. The wine is, is left to sit on its lees. When the lees settles down there with this grape sediment and it's not removed, the wine is setting on its lees. It's setting on its sediment. And this practice makes the wine have a very pungent flavor, a very strong taste. And when it says he had not been emptied from vessel to vessel, that's also referring to a winemaking process because in order for wine to not develop this very pungent, strong flavor or taste, it not only has to be removed from its leaves or its sediment, but it has to be poured from one vessel to the other. So both of these practices of leaving the wine on its leaves or sediment and not pouring the wine from vessel to vessel causes the wine to develop this very pungent, strong taste. And that's the analogy that God is using to describe Moab. Notice how God says that Moab has not gone into captivity because Moab has not had any troubles with his neighbors because life has gone really easy for Moab and Moab has lived a life really without any troubles because Moab is living life on easy street like wine, Moab's taste has remained in him. That's a bad thing. Moab's taste was a bad taste. Like wine, Moab's scent was not changed. That's a bad thing. Moab's scent was a bad thing, bad smell. And what kind of a taste is our taste? What is our taste like when we are left to ourselves, in ourselves, with no troubles? What kind of a scent do we give off? What's our scent like? What do we smell like in ourselves? There are some verses that tell us the real truth about how we smell in ourselves and what we're really like. King David put it really well 
in Psalm 14.3, Psalm 14.3, where he said, they are all inclusive. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. In ourselves, we are described by this verse as all together become filthy, stinking, filthy. In ourselves, we smell filthy. Job told us in Job 42.6, wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Dust and ashes, the two descriptions of death. In ourselves, we're horrible and something to be abhorred and we smell like death. We smell like dust and ashes. As the Lord Jesus Christ said from the cross, thou hast brought me into the dust of death. The Lord Jesus Christ told us as he described the scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites what it's like for people to be in themselves when he said in Matthew 23, 27, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers, coffins, whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. In ourselves, we are like the most beautiful white coffins, which appear beautiful outward, but inside full of stinking, rotting flesh and dead men's bones and all uncleanness. In ourselves, we smell like the stench of death. And Paul told us what this is like in Romans 7, 17, when he says, now that is no more I that do it, but sin dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Sin dwells in us, and sin dwells in ourselves, and in ourselves dwells no good thing. And in ourselves, because of sin, there's no good taste. And in ourselves, because of sin, there's no good smell. And when the Lord Jesus Christ looked at the cup of all of our sins that he was asked to drink, it says what would happen to him, which he did in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That cup of all of our sins smelled so bad and tasted so bad because it was full of all that we are in ourselves. It was full of all of our sins. It smelled as so bad, it tasted so bad that the Lord Jesus Christ said when he saw the cup in Matthew 26, 39, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. We are in ourselves repulsive and our sins have made our sin smell repulsive and our sins have made our taste really bad. But by contrast, by contrast to all that, the taste of the Lord Jesus Christ is so different from our taste. The taste of the Lord Jesus Christ is like the taste of God. And it says, and his word in Psalm 34, 8, David said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. In Psalm 119, 103, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And to cover our bad smell, to cover the bad taste, God invites us to be clothed with the Lord Jesus Christ, as he said in Romans 13, 14. But put ye on 
the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. In 2 Chronicles 6.41 we read, Now therefore arise, O Lord God, unto thy resting place, thou in the ark of thy strength. Let thy priests, O God, be clothed with salvation. That's the word Yeshua, Jesus. Let thy priests, O Lord God, be clothed with Yeshua, be clothed with salvation, be clothed with Jesus, and let thy saints rejoice in goodness. Because when we're covered with the Lord Jesus Christ, we smell good. We smell good to God because he smells good, just like his garments are described in Psalm 45, 8. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces where they have made thee glad. And when we're not walking according to our own inclinations, when we're not walking according to our own sinful desires and not looking in ourselves for direction, for guidance, but we're walking in obedience to the Spirit of God, we smell so good to God that we're described in 2 Corinthians 2.15, for we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and them that perish. And when we are putting down ourselves and denying ourselves and walking in obedience to the God's spirit, God makes others to smell from us the sweet knowledge of God. As it says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Then we don't have the Moab condition of having our taste remain in us. And we don't have the Moab condition of having our center, our smell not change. God forbid that we should be like Moab and have our taste remain in us. God forbid that we should be like Moab and have our scent not change. And how does God make our taste not to remain in us? How does God make our scent or our smell to change? By not letting us be at ease from our youth, by allowing us not to have a peaceful life and no trouble, by not allowing us to settle. That word, by the way, in Jeremiah 48, 11, for settling on the leaves, that word for settle is the Hebrew word shachat, and it means quietness or stillness or idleness, doing nothing. And God does not allow us to settle into an idle life with no trouble. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, Paul said. And we don't like that. We say, Lord, can I just have a little settling? I mean, I'm just kind of like, I made me enjoy just a little quiet, peaceful life. That maybe doesn't sound so bad. And God looks on it and says, too much settling on your own sediment, too much ease for you. Too much of your own taste remaining in you. I smell too much of that sinful smell. Not enough being emptied from vessel to vessel. And all of a sudden, we feel like we're being poured out of our peaceful life into another container and our lives are turned upside down. Just when we were settling in for that, that final stretch, we thought was gonna be relaxing. The stroke comes, the cancer's diagnosed, the financial disaster happens, we get fired from a job, and we say, God, what are you doing? And God says, I'm emptying you from vessel to vessel. I'm stopping your taste from remaining in you. I'm changing your scent from yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't like it. For 19 years, Scantibody's Lab has made the first response pregnancy test for another company. We have over 200 people working on that in that test in Tecate, in Mexico. We have facilities, logistics, documentation, all kinds of systems 
in place for that production. And after 19 years, under our development and manufacture, we saw that product move from number two slot to number one slot. What, we were given awards for being the number one supplier by the company for making the first response. After 19 years, we were pretty well settled in. And all of a sudden, we were told, you're fired. The company had another supplier who could make it cheaper, and forget about the 15-month notice in the contract that it calls for. We'll give you two months. And overnight, we're upside down. Overnight, 28% of the business, gone. Overnight, we're looking at having to lay off around 200 people. And the same day they told us that, we told our staff that, Ducati, Mexico, layoffs are gonna happen. There was crying, everyone was crying. From the top to the bottom, to the, from the upper management to the assemblers, why? Because we're a close-knit community. Since, the, since their kids, the people were 42 days old, they've been with us in our schools. We graduated them. We ate together, we picnicked together, and overnight, the close-knit community of 19 years is just torn apart. And I said to God, what are you doing, God? And it was as if God said to me from Jeremiah 48, 11, I'm emptying you from vessel to vessel. I'm stopping your taste from remaining in you. I'm changing your scent from yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm sure there's gonna come a day when I'm gonna say, I'm just so thrilled that we got fired so we could witness God's mighty power, so we could see God's tender mercy and his love. I never realized how much he wanted to bless me over the wildest imaginations and to draw me closer to him. If I had been left in the comfort of business holding steady and just growing a little bit here and there, you know pride would have crept in and secretly I would have said those horrible words that are so bad taste and so bad smell. Those words are, look what I've done. Look what I have done. But by being fired, he let me start to drown and to feel the feeling of being drowned and I'm crying out to the Lord Jesus Christ, save me. It says in the Bible that the Lord of hosts was the God of Israel and the, a God to Israel. And I'm out there crying, oh God, the God to me, my God, save me, not my abilities, but Christ only always living in me. And from Ruth 1.1, is it easier to go and sojourn in the country of Moab? Yes. Do we want to go and sojourn in the country of Moab? Sometimes. Is it good for us to go and sojourn in the country of Moab? No. Because God calls Moab something very astounding. In Psalm 108.9, he says, Moab is my wash pot. God calls Moab a garbage can. And from Ruth 1.1, when we are like the certain man from Bethlehem, Judah, when we are like the certain man from the house of bread, from the land of fruitfulness, and when we go and sojourn in the country of Moab, a certain man of the house of bread from the land of fruitfulness went to go sojourn in the garbage can. Tragedy will meet us like it did for this man. Let's give ourselves to God and say to him the words of the hymn, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting, yielded and still. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you so much that you love us too much to leave us alone. Thank you for, Lord, the times when you pour us from vessel to vessel. Lord, so that we can be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.